everyone. Welcome to another week of Crunch. You're sitting down with Leslie Wisniewski, the producer of this podcast. Also with me is Calder David. Hey, guys. How are you? I'm sure they're good. Yeah. And this week, we have Alan Mills with us. I know. I'm good. Hi, everybody. Aw, so nice. <laughs> so last week, our episode was brought to you by Flamin' Hot Cheetos. It was going to be toast this week, but we were hungry, so we ate our toast. So no crunches this week, mm. I'm sad to say. Uh, but there is going to definitely be a lot of diving into the last two episodes of the Mythos Manual and talking about uh, player character choices, NPC behind the scenes, and all kinds of fun stuff. So let's go ahead and dive in. Really exciting episode because we finally, most recently, dealt with the Geist, Vihan, who has been haunting our PC's steps since they arrived in Poema. And Alan, what a fantastic role play moment with Damius. You're welcome. Aww, yeah. so nice. <laughs> um, it was really interesting how your character's backstory that you had already kind of decided really came out to shine in this moment because it felt like you could really relate to what Vihan was going through. Well, it, you know, it's interesting because um, uh, I built that character's backstory to be intertwined with the history of the of the setting and i and it's interesting because i it was the second character to enter this right. the story i had already gotten a, a sense of the setting and the story so i knew that there would be this kind of deep history and deep backstories and things like that so i wanted to have, i thought this this new character would be a part of that so the device is amnesia so he he is part of that story, but doesn't remember it. And as the story unfolds, as pieces come together, those break, you know, the the walls in his mind, and he remembers them. Yes, it, it was just, I think it was wonderful, kind of that moment of, I had the same thought when I saw Anushka, yeah. I thought she was Ruth too, right? The world has kind of moved on without you and Vihan. So in that moment... Um, you two can really relate to one another. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's very true. They were both people kind of trapped in the Dragon's Jungle in different ways. Yeah. yeah. Trapped yeah. and forgotten. At the same time around, right? Like it was yeah. the, the, what both. That, yeah, that the, one bad summer. That one bad summer. I think under different circumstances, we could have been friends. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, Cal and I were joking earlier about the the very trashy paperback romance novel Ruth's Summer in the Jungle would have been with these two handsome brothers vying for her hand. Yeah, that would it was it was like a really fun steamy summer where like it would have been like two brothers like kind of like back to back and like glowering at each other and then she would have been on the other side of the cover looking at like a plant or something. Yeah, and it would have been like our summer in the jungle, and it would have been like really fun and frivolous, and then. It Not, ends. It yeah. ends hurt pretty horrifically. Oh. Well, and, well, Domius was also the you know gay best friend who That's right. didn't know he was gay and also loved her, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that was doomed not to go anywhere. <laughs> so. And everyone kind of knew. Yeah. Oh, phenomenal. Well, Cal, did you feel like that moment with Vihan went the way that you anticipated? Yes and no. I, I kind of approached it as like a role playing opportunity. I wanted to kind of resolve a lot of this guy stuff in a role play way and a little bit more narratively. Cause my first impulse was very much like, I want to make this very mechanic and I wanted it to, to be very like you have to, cause I think I, I tried to introduce that like the episode pr prior with uh, Mithilti talking about, Oh, there's a ritual to get rid of the Geist. And like, we can do all this like kind of a uh, little kind of like gamey kind of 
let's work together to kind of make the right checks and collect the right resources and figure out how to like get rid of a geist using like some sort of like interesting occulty kind of uh seance or something like that but like no one seemed to be biting on that <laughs> well i mean also i think that maybe maybe it needed an implement connected to it or something that there needed to be some physical thing but regardless i do think that the negotiation was a kind of more fascinating yeah process. It, ended being, it ended up being fine i think it was also me being like i am trying to juggle a lot of different plot threads and the Geist was one I came up with kind of early in my, like, deciding of, like, what the story was going to be. And a Geist creature, like, the Geist, like, as a creature in, like, the, the bestiary, right, is, like, a CR9 monster. So it's not, like, a possible thing really for them to, like, really take on and defeat. It would, it just, they can't do it. Like, that. The, like they're level three at this point. There's just no way they can defeat this monster. What's it? Just just for my own reference, what is an appropriate CR monster for care, for a party of three at level three? Oh, okay, so like, like this is like specific to uh, Pathfinder, but each kind of like RPG that has more codified combat rules has like a sense of like how strong the party can be to fight certain kinds of monsters, right? Like that's just mm-hmm. like part of it's baked into the system. Like right now, the average party level is three, right? Right. And a, anything that's like more than four. CR, which is like the critical, what or like ch- the challenge rating, uh, higher than the party is like considered a very very difficult fight. Those are like incredibly hard boss fights. It's like a plus four, so that'd be like a CR seven creature mm-hmm. would be like an incredibly difficult boss fight. So nine would be a lethal encounter, not just lethal. Like there's just no. He was a like he was a ghost. Like they like. It would have been bad. We, if you notice, though, we didn't even. None of us made our saves on that. Yeah, oh, that's thing. true. Domius only stayed in it because he had the ability to turn off fear. Yeah, that save was really high because it was such a strong monster. And that moment was so critical because if you hadn't turned on your dark half, then and Nushka would be dead. Probably, yeah. yeah. Though there, it's interesting too because I feel like Mathilde also mentioned that if you can get the guys into a corporeal, bo- corporeal corporeal body then you can kill that body and it will kill the geist mm-hmm. but of course i don't think that was ever i don't think that ever entered into the equation whenever uh vihan went into anushka no i don't think anyone's like let's kill anushka now to get rid of vihan <laughs> no not at all well cal let's talk about that a little bit because it sounds like you had this intention for the geist and then it didn't seem like things were kind of it didn't seem like your player characters were glomming onto the notions that you had kind of put forth in your head so let's talk a little bit about when that happens in in a homebrew game and you have a lot of things that are going on and you kind of self edit in the game can you talk a little bit about that process all that really is i think is you kind of as a gm have to come up with a lot of ideas right you're just throwing a lot of things at a at a board and seeing what sticks and certain ideas like get you know jumped on, people really enjoy, and certain ideas you know fall to the wayside. Like things just aren't as they're, we're just not as interested in this storyline right. as other things. Like Damius was just so enchanted by the notion of growing a tomato, which I found delightful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whereas I think the guys like the guys kind of presented um, a couple problems. It started to be a little bit of a thorn in my side, like narratively, because I remember like it was the idea that. This place is haunted by this geist, and maybe he's up to stuff, but, like, where is he most of the time? And I don't want this, like, incredibly powerful ghost to suddenly, like, be Menacing, taking up, yeah. like, a huge chunk of my narrative time. 
Uh, and so I wanted it to be dealt with sooner than like I maybe kind of saw it in my head happening. Yeah, I was just kind of ready for this plot line to get a little wrapped up, even though it, it didn't really go on as long as I thought it might. But the guys are supposed to be controlling all of these different haunts and like the different parts of Poema. And I don't know, we got to the Hall of Agriculture and I'm like, yeah, he controls the haunt here. I don't know what that means. Like it made sense in the, in the Bronze Pyramid where he could like use the Bronze Pyramid haunt, which like... Was what happened to Suresh, right? The, right. the the whole demon rash thing. That that's the haunt from the bronze pyramid. It's like turn people like half demon or something. And he had a control of that, and that's what he was able to do. But like you get into this one, and it's like I think the haunt was like what created the leech root. Yeah. And it's I don't know. Congratulations, he controls creating leech. Disappointing. It yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, so plant like, monsters. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like I don't know. So it's it, 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 I think it was time to let the storyline kind of. Wrap this one up. So was that a decision you just made in the moment while you were playing the game of like, I'm going to just go ahead and trigger this encounter by having Anushka encounter Vihan right now? Or was it something you had planned? I think I definitely had planned. Well, I don't know. I couldn't. I, I don't exactly remember what made me decide to bring back him at that moment. I think we did. We talked about it the episode before and I was ready to kind of like, I'm going to remind everybody about this. And I think Alan, like just doing what he did then led to it being naturally concluded. Got it. I don't think I was like, I definitely didn't sit down to be like, we're ending it right now. But I was open to it ending if like the story allowed it to. Well, what would have happened if, if Alan didn't have, Damius didn't have a dark half and couldn't? I don't know. Like there was really no way of knowing. Like I like what what story choice I would have made at the time. Like maybe I would have killed somebody. Maybe he would have like taken over a laborer and like tried to kidnap Anushka or something. Like like yeah. I don't know. Like, story could have gone a million different ways. Got I mean, it. I think the, the interesting thing is I think we all feel extra protective of Anushka. Like we feel protective of Anushka and Ruth. Like if nobody, like, those two cannot be hurt, right? And that was when, when Anushka was put in danger, I immediately triggered on that. And I'm like, I, this cannot happen. And I, and I, the funny thing was, I didn't know where it was going to go. All I knew is that I had to get Anushka out of there. Yeah. Right. And that was my goal. I, mm-hmm. I could tell because yeah. you were like, we can leave her. She doesn't have to come with us. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like whatever. Let's just separate you two and I'm good. I feel like you there's know? kind of this notion that like, because I feel like up until this point, we all kind of have perceived Ruth and Anushka as these long suffering family members of Suresh who dragged them out to the dragon's jungle. But Alan, it, it seems like in that, in that dialogue that Anushka had with you on the way to Sugar Glade, maybe something's going on with her that is kind of force this family to come back to this place of trauma. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the first the first time we have a real look into her backstory. Yeah. You know, I mean, we had these assumptions were made about what Suresh wants and everybody's like Suresh is dragging people with him. But here's this sort of like she has a connection to the jungle herself that we hadn't known about yet. Mm-hmm. Um it's going to be interesting to see how that unwrap like happens. Yeah, cuz it does seem like as crummy as Suresh, I feel like it can come across. <laughs> he definitely seems to love his daughter. Uh, and it might be like his one kind of big redeeming quality. I mean, yeah. like, he loves his wife, but also like, yeah. poor Ruth. I it just... My I, wife! <laughs> <laughs> In a Borat voice. <laughs> oh my god, be, I just tell you, I was just, I, I, one thing I love about this podcast, Cal, or your, your voices are incredible. Aww. Like, and the fact that you could just dr- drop in, like you can go into them immediately without even pausing. And you can go from one to the other seamlessly. The trick is to like pick voices that you can do that with. I think 
you know, like nothing like too too complicated. Like sometimes I have a, the hardest one I have with is like is Dalton. I think because like just trying to do like a sometimes faux he, fake yeah. British. It's like it's like a bad it's like a bad British accent. It's like Game of Thrones in the early it's, seasons. It's like yeah, it's like yeah, early Game of Thrones where everyone just kind of talks like this, but like not <laughs> as, <laughs> as inquisitive. I believe it's called Mid Atlantic. Yeah, like the very just kind of like he's got. An effective way of speaking. That one's the hardest one to kind of jump into. But everyone else is like, I kind of have like, it just sits in different parts of my throat. And I, I that's like the trick of it for me. He's pivoting between those different areas. Yeah. Well, it was, it was so interesting kind of having, I, I felt so engaged listening to two NPCs almost say goodbye to one another when Vihan like is moving on to the next life. He's oh, yeah. himself again. And he's saying goodbye to Ruth and saying that he's always loved her. And she's kind of like, hey guy, it's been like years and i have a child i'm married this and he's like it's cool (laughs) (laughs) i was really worried about that too because i remember you know it sort of like became this um i had to take him to ruth moment yeah and i was very afraid that he was gonna kill ruth yeah in my own head but i thought okay i'm gonna have to gamble i'm gonna roll the dice on this that he won't hurt her yeah because he's he clearly loves her. And then it's like, if you had to pick between Ruth and Anushka, like, you would probably have to pivot to Anushka, I would think, right? Mm-hmm. To try well, and save. I mean, that's the thing is, I was just, in that moment, I, I I knew I had to save Anushka, and I gambled that he wouldn't hurt Ruth. And that could have gone the other way. He could have gotten jealous and just torn her to pieces. There was, yeah, there's definitely something like that. Like, it could have, 100% could have gone very poorly. Luckily, like, you got a 16 for that final roll, which... You know, I think it was fine. Like, you're level three. Like, that's, like a, like, a fine DC to, like, have hit. And it didn't help that – or, pardon me, it didn't hurt that you had a very compelling and personal emotional argument. Yeah, like, things like that I always kind of give, like, it's like, oh, in my head, it's like a little plus two bonus here and there for whatever. Like, you know, those things all matter. The classic circumstance bonus. A, a classic circumstance bonus, yeah. if I've ever seen one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, one of the reasons why that encounter was so impactful is because we had – glimmers of this backstory that then Vihan gave us the final pieces to. And we've kind of been learning more about Suresh and Ruth's time in the jungle over the course of the entire podcast. And you've been really kind of seeding that backstory in. Um, can you talk a little bit about, I guess, how, how you go about doing that? Sure. I think what what I did for this one is I just didn't tell the players a lot right away. <laughs> <laughs> I think like it just like kept you guys in the dark about a lot of stuff. Or, like, the big trick is, like, you know what information certain characters know and what information that they're willing to give right away. So, like, you're told right away that we're just headed into the Dragon's Jungle. We're on a collegiate expedition and you're going to be guarded. Like, you're part of a group that's guarding this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And what I'm able to do then is able to, like, well, like, if that's all they know, we can kind of move through that and, like, they can, like, start learning other reasons, like other backstory. And I just kind of seeded a lot of that into like the characters, little character growth arcs that that's part of like, the, like, again, like this whole like weird dating sim part of this game yeah, that I've plugged into that like every character has like tears of friendship and tears of uh, loyalty towards the party. And the more those grow, the more like little bits of information I feel like they're comfortable dropping or that I kind of have noted like, oh, when so-and-so is talked to enough, like, they're going to mention this. They're going to mention this and kind of introduce this new kind of element and this backstory into 
the game and giving us more context. Because it, it seems like you really have to have, you as a, as a game master have to have an intimacy with your NPCs to kind of know where those boundaries are. Because even from, I think, the first episode, Ruth kind of lets drop that, like, she's from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's feel has mixed feelings about being back. There's, that's the difference when you have, like, a you're able to kind of sit down and plan your NPCs and like really think about them versus just kind of coming up with some on the fly. You're able to really think about things and think about where things might go and how to plant more information. But this is also just like a very different kind of campaign in that like the NPCs are so important. Like yeah. That's not every D&D yeah. and Pathfinder campaign. But I think that's, I mean, I, I, have, I say that, that really honestly compared to a lot of campaigns, this is a very like rich one. And it is because these the NPCs have so much backstory and so much texture and so much individual personality. Well, Alan, mm-hmm. it's interesting because you're re-listening to the podcast. We've we've yeah. got we've gone the whole way, right? So as you're listening it, listening to it now, are you picking up on things that you had missed initially? Well, yeah, it's like rewatching a series sometimes. Like you, you know, you know, you watch the series a second time and you're like, oh, that that's you know, I remember rewatching um Bowser Galactica after watching Caprica. And there were Things that happened in the first episode that mm-hmm. had that directly related to the things that were happening in Caprica, mm-hmm. and I was like kind of amazed by that. Yeah, you know, and it, and it feels like did they project these ideas? They had these ideas in the beginning, or are they playing off them later? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Either way, it's good television. So yeah, yeah, yeah. good television, good good podcasting. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, let's kind of hunker down, Alan. I know you came today with an agenda yes i have there's something that i that i definitely want to talk about based on um on the last crunch episode the last crunch with paul yes yeah, yeah exactly let's talk about it i've i've so far found paul's crunch episodes to be very very fascinating his first one where he talked about some of the sim- symbology in his in his build and his backstory i thought that was really amazing and in this last one he kind of talked about his philosophies of, of role-playing and that he talked about you know that he views the game as the as creating a story or a narrative, right? He sees it as a writer, mm-hmm. right? And I see it differently. And it was interesting to hear his viewpoints and and comparing to my own thoughts about my philosophies on role playing. Um, I have this idea that when you play, you know, an RPG, you you're basically you're trying to solve a puzzle that you have resources. And there's a puzzle, a challenge, right. and you're trying to solve it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a lot of my approach. I don't, I don't personally try to force the narrative, you know, along, right? Because I, I kind of leave that to, in a sense, the game master, right? And then I interact with it or improv with it, right? right? So when I build a character, I create a, I create a backstory, right? Rich backstory, yes. with a lot of possibilities, right? And then I don't decide what those possibilities are going to be. Mm. Um, I do like as far as forward arcs go, and I have had people like, in a sense, I've also taken the criticism that I don't build an arc. I don't have an arc in mind. Right. So what I do though is I have mechanic arcs. And so I, I think about what is my character going to mechanically be doing in the future mm-hmm. and, and what does that mean for the, for the character's self? Right. So like, for instance, Damius is a character that as he levels up will, Become more and more empowered to face his fears. Exactly. His own, his own, like that dark half that he carries with him is this internal mystery that, that needs to be solved. Right. Right. Um, his own connections to, to necromantic, you know, 
energies will get stronger. What is that as a Dampier? What does it mean for his identity? Mm-hmm. You know, so those are questions I have, or I, I allow those questions to take place. Um, and I have ideas about that, but I don't necessarily know where he's gonna, like, I don't, I don't have a story arc for him that I need to, that I need to overlay on top of the story. But I do have a backstory for him in which, you know, he has this amnesia. He's, he's very connected to this entire place. Yeah. You know, uh, and he has mysteries about his father. Um, and all that's there. Um, and I, and at the same time, I have ideas. There is, you know, obviously there's this mystery of, you know, um, who he was living with and what happened yeah. in the jungle. Yeah. And I, I have, I've talked to Cal about, Cal about this and I've purposely not answered the question on, how it happened. You haven't answered the question in the game and also yourself? Yes. I have an, it's an open-ended question about what happened that caused Domius to have amnesia. Mm. Something took place, mm-hmm. you know, a basic thing. I have those basic ideas, but I don't – I haven't answered the what exactly happened because he doesn't remember, remember and I don't want to know. Yeah. Until it gets revealed. I like that. As, as a game master, I do appreciate that approach a lot because I like the idea that we can just discover these answers while we play. And yeah. I think that's, I think there's something really appealing to me in that, especially with this kind of a very open, a very open campaign like this one where the storyline is getting decided a little bit by me and a little bit by you. And together we're kind of forming what the story actually is going to ever be. Yeah. And I think that works really well. Paul's approach tends to be a little bit like he has a, a certain arc kind of in mind already. He wants to take this character on a certain kind of a journey. And not to say that I don't think he, like, he pivots when, like, given new opportunities, like, if, like, role-playing happens and blah, blah, blah. But there is definitely a, a different kind of, like, how people look at their characters. Like, some people look at a character when you build and introduce to a new RPG and you're like, okay, I want this character. Like, he starts off as, like, really, you know, maybe he's, like, he's really petty and, like, he's really uh, standoffish. And, like, I want his arc to be – he grows to be more – generous and and loving and that's like my arc and i kind of have that in mind i'm going to find opportunities to role play that out or you can approach it with like i'm a blank slate here's a little bit of backstory and i have some general ideas for personality and i'm going to kind of move forward and see how the world shapes this character i think those are all kind of valid there's also the idea of like i think like for me my root is always like you have to kind of come up with a general idea of like what ultimately does my character want and it has and like that's a very and i think those should always be very broad in that terms of question like does I, my character wants to find like a place of his own like a place within his the world or my character wants to find love or my character wants to find acceptance or like to love themselves or you know like like more broader concepts less like you know less of like i want to get a specific item or i want to own a house here or something like that it's like it has to be kind of like these more broad concepts cuz then you're able to find ways in the role play and in the story to accomplish those broader concepts. Well, here's a question for you, Alan. So mm-hmm. now knowing and kind of understanding Paul's approach to his characters, does that kind of give you more context for the choices that he makes? Well, that's the thing is, is it's interesting because I, I sometimes get frustrated by his choices. And it's it's literally because... And that's he, that's so normal, yeah, I feel normal. like, in, in role play. But yeah, of course. And, and so what's interesting is, is what's happening is he has, his character, Kafka, has very concrete agendas. Yes. There's things he wants. He wants to, he wants to get those signatures on his paper. He wants to make his parents proud. He wants these, these very specific things that he, you know, wants to keep, he wants to get Archibald alive. Yeah. All these specific things. And so when, when the story hits 
creates or, or starts developing conflicts with his story, he will sometimes separate from the main story and go for his own story. Mm-hmm. And that's sometimes when I get frustrated by him because, because I enter the game with abstract agendas. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, you know, like for example, Ulysses' agenda was, you know, was very abstract. He was on a sabbatical, going to the jungle. <laughs> he was going to. He was trying to get respect, I think. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, because he did. He, he he was a he had he he wasn't really well liked at the university. Yeah, I think that was kind of the idea. It was yeah, like, yeah, he wasn't very popular amongst yeah. his peers. Um, and and so you know there was this idea that he was going to learn more. Mm-hmm. That was his goal, right? Damius has three agendas, which are very abstract. The first the first obvious one that he talks about is wanting to get out of the jungle. Right, right, right. Uh, which is a strange one for him because he doesn't know what's out there. It's the it's the unknown. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, he has a uh, he has a secret agenda which he's never talked about. In that he is lonely hmm. and he wants to not he wants to be around people. Right, right. But he never says that. But he but he, he, you see him kind of like engaging with people for no reason. Yeah. It's because he's lonely. And he's been dropped in the middle of a bunch of people. Yeah, exactly. And then the other like the other agenda, which he is, again, not actively pursuing, mm-hmm. but is happening, um, remembering what happened aspect to him. He is moving towards this learning the truth of himself and his history, right, as an agenda. But he himself is afraid of that agenda and doesn't necessarily actively pursue it. It just happens to him. Well, yeah, it's interesting because, like, since you haven't really made the decision as the player, or the game hasn't, like, forced you to make that decision for what for what happened, it's very kind of loosey-goosey, right? Well, yeah, but, the, but that's the – see, that's the, um, the, the philosophy difference between Paul and myself is that I look for agendas that connect me to the other players mm-hmm. that do not, like – Make put me in conflict with them, mm-hmm. right? Whereas Paul has creates it creates agendas that are very specific and might put him in conflict, right? I think there's a difference between like you enjoy kind of creating that sort of inner party conflicts and not, and some people enjoy it and some people don't. Well, he specifically talked about that that yeah. he likes that he likes inner party conflicts. It, yes, it yeah. definitely drives, I think. Uh, character interaction in a way that uh, is is very unique. Yeah, because like, and I get, I, I actually, I really actually appreciate and I understand like the point because a lot of, a lot of times like parties dynamics can be very much like, all right, we all agree to go do next very obvious task. Okay, let's all do the next very obvious task together. We're all in agreement. Or we're going to go do the next very obvious task. Great. We're all in the, we're all going to go do this in agreement. And like, that's just not as interesting. So like, I do appreciate the idea of like I like someone being like I want to throw some like conflict inside di- some dynamic kind of choice into that and it's right. hard to know inner party conflict in general is really hard especially in like certain kinds of RPGs and like D and D Pathfinder one of them because there's not a real system to deal with it You're, it's meant to be dealt with in role play and in role play everyone has a hard time I think sometimes being like. Unless you, like some people do, some people don't. But like, it's harder to like look at a situation, and be like, I want to do X, and someone else is like, Well, I don't want to do X, and then it's like, Well, someone's gonna lose here. Like someone, right. someone has to win, and someone has to lose, and it's hard for people to know when to back down. It's, you have to be like really in touch with your own character to figure out like, would my character concede on this notion or would I keep pursuing it? Am I being, am I being real by like sticking to my guns, or would my character be someone who 
would maybe like see other reasons. Like it has to be, you have to yeah. kind of find that in yourself well, and look for it from your other players. There's even that moment, one of the episodes that we're kind of talking about where Christy is is requesting Paul's shoes, right? She's like, right. Kafka, give me your shoes. I need your shoes. Give me your shoes. And he's like, why? And I think the exact words that he said was, you have to like, you have to like give me something to go on for this because it's just so out of left field that I need a reason Right, like if you give me one, then I'm down. But like, I gotta have something besides just give me your shoes, right? Yeah. Uh, it was a moment that I feel like in a different setting could have been very mechanical of, oh, I need these shoes, I'm gonna just take them and I'm gonna blah blah blah. But it became a moment of, of like a small conflict, and then Kafka ended up joining the party, which was very fortunate since you guys ended up fighting that leech root. Right. Yeah, it was fortunate. I mean, it was, I was thinking about that, you know, there's a lot of like those turns where, you know, for example, Kafka's plan to steal the paw. I was, I, I, I kind of, it, it's, it's fun that Kafka comes up with these dumb plans. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a fun character thing, but at the same time, I was so grateful that it fell apart. Like I was really worried about what was going to happen. Kafka if, and Suresh wandering out into the woods at night. With this, yeah, with, yeah. And, getting, and then stealing this paw for this Suresh. I was paw. really worried about the results of that. <laughs> and the fact that it failed on its own, I was so grateful. <laughs> it like, collapsed under its own weight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, um, and so like it's, it is just this fun, it is this fun inter- interaction with his, with his, you know, his, cause he's not the smartest character. So he comes up with these dumb plans mm-hmm. and very, very often they do fall up, fall apart under their own weight. Thankfully. Yeah, but <laughs> you know? I think often Kafka kind of ends up inadvertently hitting the nail on the head. Right? Like like, like with Duke Luca talking about how like it being a oh, shitty yeah. land deal. Yeah. He was basically right. <laughs> yeah. It, like he called it being a Scooby Doo mystery before anybody else. Yeah. Yeah, whereas my whereas I'm going through the I'm going through the exact same stories. I mean I might know the same thing, but I'm very like trying not to metagame it. I'm like, oh yeah, let's go to this like let's go to Sugarglade. It's but it sounds great. You know, they're they're, they're probably really they're seem really friendly. They gave us candy. They gave us candy. You know, what could go wrong? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean that's the whole thing. It was like I do I do like kind of the notion that Kafka is inadvertently wise in a way that I think really he is a wisdom build as he likes to say yeah, he's a wisdom yeah. build he can kind of play off these metagaming moments as his character just having like very bizarre bursts of wisdom and he presents it very well oh fantastically yeah. you know it's been a great conversation I'm actually really looking forward to hearing Christie's next crunch because I'm dying to hear what her roleplay philosophies are. Well, we'll be definitely, we'll definitely be sure to ask her about that. And I think in the meantime, it's really good to kind of move forward almost exactly how you and Christy said. If you're in a roleplay scenario and someone is making a choice that is in conflict, you can't be mad, but you reserve the right to be a little annoyed. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here on the Crunch episode. Have a piece of toast, because we just did. Uh, <laughs> make sure you check out our social media. We're on Twitter at Mythos Manual. We're throwing stuff up there all the time. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you have any ideas for our Crunch, you want to dive into things, then like be sure to let us know. And of course, we're a podcast, so we don't get out into the air just by being good looking. So if you could leave us a review and a rating, we would so appreciate it. And... With that, I will see you guys later. Bye, everybody. Have a nice week. Thanks for tuning in to the Mythos Manual. Be sure to check us out on our socials at Mythos Manual or our website, mythosmanual.com. May all your roles be 20s.